Hey, y'all, and welcome to the 200th episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. You heard right, 200 episodes. Today, the guys review Undaunted North Africa, Ride the Rails, and Gulf, Mobile, and Ohio. Donna will join Tony for a review of Wingspan, and the guys listen to auditions for a new co-host. Hmm, auditions for a new co-host, huh? Hello and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 200. Imagine, I'm Tony. And this is Marty. Holy cow. This is our 200th time introducing Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) I don't even know how we got to uh, 200 episodes with quality content like that. I just don't know what to say about it. I mean, it's 200. We are well past, and we often kid about this. We are 195 episodes past where I thought we would be. (laughs) (laughs) That is 100% true. Uh, I mean, if you think, go back to the original quality, we made it to 200 in all these years. Keep playing games. Something to talk about. I mean, I am a soft-spoken, generally non-conversationalist kind of guy, so 200 episodes of me just BSing? Come on. Who would have thought that? I didn't think there was any way you get to the... Well, you didn't ever think we would get to this point. Hey, I got a question for you, though. I have an answer. Did you watch, and I know you did, so I'm kind of leading the witness here. Did you watch the launch of the astronauts into space? Boy, you really are leading the question because <laughs> we la- we watched the SpaceX launch together <laughs> in my basement. Oh, we did? Why did we do that, Marty? <laughs> oh, my gosh. 200 episodes, you think we'd be able to flow from like one topic to another, like seamlessly without feeling like it's forced. Maybe in another 200 episodes, we'll, we'll be close what to that. What do you mean? I thought, I thought that was pretty well done. I thought we were flowing straight into it with the astronauts leading to the games in your basement. You know, that's <laughs> what I was going with. <laughs> yeah, but you started out with, I'm going to ask you a question, Marty. Even though I know the answer, <laughs> I'm just trying to steer you d- directly to the next topic. And it's not even a topic we're going to talk about. It's a small little bit to get to the fact that we got together for the first time in two months and game face-to-face. That's, well, uh, there is something that comes out of that that I was going to follow up with. But did you watch it? And the answer is yes, because we were gaming. And wasn't, other than the camera cutting out when the booster f- came back and landed on the ship. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that impressive? Very impressive. Because I didn't know that's how the booster was going to land. You know, we're old school. The booster's like burning up in the way on the back in the atmosphere, or it's the old shuttle where, you know, the two side engines were basically came back via parachute and they picked it up in the ocean. Yeah. (laughs) So, and Donna pointed out, because she recorded the whole series, so she knew that since I was over at your house gaming, uh, that I would not get to see the docking and that kind of stuff. And so she goes, now I want you to watch this. If there's ever a case for someone to argue that we've never gone into space, the conspiracy theories that are behind it, she goes, look at this. Even 2001, a space Aussie did a better job of making it look actual. And you saw the dragon and there was no, there was nothing behind it. It was completely black, which is space. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars, you expect to see stars and you know same thing with star trek that's what we are so used to but when you look when they had the camera on the dragon uh space capsule coming into the international space station it was completely pitch black so it looked fake 
<laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> it's like somebody like CGI'd this thing, but forgot to put in the background stars and everything. Mm-hmm. That basically somebody held up a black piece of construction paper behind a white model and said, "Oh, it's floating towards the International Space Station. Real slow. Look." And it should be on a little, like you expected a little string to show up or something like that. No, it was, it was very cool. And it was like, I think one of the things that impressed me too was the whole console. You know, you're so used to seeing these pictures of these capsules from the sixties and shoot, the space shuttle was designed in the seventies and it's nothing but lights and toggle switches and buttons. And here it's just a couple touch screens. That's it. And if their gloves on their spacesuits work that well on touchscreens, why can I not have winter gloves that work that well on my phone? <laughs> because millions of dollars didn't go towards making those gloves for you. Okay. Tang was invented for the astronauts, and I eventually got it. Okay. Well, then eventually you're going to get these gloves, too. <sighs> By the way, that's another thing. Those spacesuits are sweet, too. You used to seeing these big, bulky things. Mm-hmm. It looked like just a nice little comfortable jumpsuit. And I like that. We're turning off the camera because they're going to change out of their spacesuits. That was kind of cool. But did you hear? We see a pressure differential in this spacesuit. When you are getting out of it, please check and make sure all your zippers are not exposed and that it's not slightly open and one of them a tooth a a little bit of it was showing causing that problem Mm. which leads me to the next thing did you watch the starlink go over your house no i don't even know what the starlink is it's spacex you know elon musk is trying to bring internet to the world sure well he launched he's well this is i think it was launch number eight the 60 satellites out of the rocket okay and so the other night we were outside, we, we watched the ISS fly over, and then we also saw Starlink fly over. And it is the wildest thing to see 60 satellites zoom across the sky. Why didn't you tell me about this? I didn't know what was going on. I can't help you here. I can't, you know, I'll, I'll well, next time I oh see it. Oh my gosh. You would think that would be something you would put like in our uh, Slack channel for our, our show. It's like, hey, for anybody interested, you can go out and watch this. You would think I did that after I heard about it at 6.30 at night, like anybody's on the Slack channel for Rolling Dice and Taking Names after 6.30. Most of us have gotten ready for bed. I am because I'm lonely and just want to talk to people. Amazing stuff in space. I did not think I would be as excited about it as I was. And then what about bathroom breaks? Lord, are we just going to go into the the whole SpaceX thing? I just want to say right now, I'm looking at the show notes, and that is nowhere on the show notes or I would have prepped a little bit better for this. After 200 episodes, you know I always lead you into a conversation that you know nothing about. So tell me, uh, Saturday when you were watching the space launch, how was the gaming? You were there too. It was good. Okay. I was. It was good. We 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 had some food. We had some dessert uh we had some fat free strawberry pie that vanessa made for us oh um correction i thought it was made with sugar-free jello it was it was not that was that was full-fledged jello so my apologies to you and bert who you're probably thinking i'm getting a low-cal dessert it 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 wasn't well that messed up your count not mine (laughs) that's true oh i also had the nice big old bag of popcorn now we could talk about that right now oh yeah that was good dump that out nobody stuck their hand in it dump it out on a plate and you and i are just eating that popcorn up so there was a local theater here it's like well since we can't show movies how about this if you want to come and get some movie theater popcorn we're going to provide a service to you so on thursdays you can call and pre-order 
to pick up popcorn, freshly popped popcorn, either Friday or on Saturday. They come at, you know, the large tubs of popcorn. You can get the equivalent of five large tubs for $15 or 10 large tubs for $25. And I said, well, let's just go ahead and get the, the small bag, the five tubs. It took us over a week to get through that bag and we eventually just threw it away. So that is a lot of popcorn and I love popcorn. Mm, yes, you do. And it never lost its crunchiness, did it? Towards the end, it got started a little bit, but no, it never really did. And what was so cool is they gave us like butter and salt to put on it, but it didn't need it. But I love movie theater popcorn. And when we, when Vanessa brought it home, it was like still nice and warm. And I was like, nom, 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 mm-hmm. nom, nom. How many points is that? Okay, I have to stop. Yeah, I miss. I bought the um, refillable bucket for AMC and used it once so far. So, yeah. Uh, you keeping up what's going on with AMC? Yes, I am. Yeah, they may be gone. Mm-hmm. They, they may be. I'm going to be curious how many do survive. How many theaters do survive? Yes. Well, AMC was hurting before this, though. Mm. I mean, no movies planning to open the theater except Christopher Nolan's pushing to have Tenet open in July. But that's still probably going to be limited to how many people can get in a theater. Mm-hmm. And it won't be every state. Right. And then, you know, AMC's whole model was around the recliners and that kind of nice, comfortable viewing and spacious. But so with that in mind... If they even mark off, so, okay, this one and this one, you can't sit in. Then how do you, you know, an entire row where it's just eight people. Now there's only going to be three people. Mm-hmm. I do not see how you're going to be able to do this. But I, I'm not that smart and I, and I pretend not to. I just. You pretend not to be smart? I pretend not to. Be, I am not. I'm, so you're actually smart. No. Oh, sweet. After 200 episodes. No, I'm not you that smart. You could finally instill some knowledge on us. I got no knowledge. I just know that I want this done. The show? That, yes. The show. <laughs> just move on. Let's let's get into the summer. Let's let's see what happens. I know be cautious. I need to be cautious and I am. But back to the to the gaming. We had a good time gaming there at the table, seeing people physically besides a little video camera. That was mm-hmm. that was a great experience. We hopefully this coming week, we will be able to sit down at the table with the scurry reporters. Oh, yeah. I don't know what we're playing, but we're just playing something. It could be Monopoly. I don't know. Uh, is that is that what you want to break off? I mean, we got to pick the right game, right? It's like first time back together. You want to you knock it out of the park with something that's like, oh, that was good. Uh, there's a lot out there. There is, there is, there's, there's a few things that we had on our schedule to talk about and some of them I'm really anxious to play. So I'll just toss it out there to, you know, Mark and Nate and see if uh, any of those tickle their fancy. Okay. I have one that I've read the rules. I'm ready to get it on the table. So hopefully that'll happen. Did get the opportunity to play. I finally got a copy, purchased a copy of Wingspan. Yes. So if everything goes well, Donna's going to come on with me again. This will be three times in a row. Three, count them. One, two, three. How many times has she been on with you before our 200th episode? Maybe two. Two. So every 200 episodes, she's going to be on potentially five times, and three of them have been the last three episodes. That's pretty darn good. I know. And we're going to talk about it, but spoiler? I can understand the accolades and the reward and the awards now. You know, you can't really fathom why did it win so much, and I know mm-hmm. all the debate about it and everything. But now I understand, and I guess you'll tell us why you understand during that segment. I hope so. I hope I remember by the time I record with her. Yes, I do have a question for you. Yes, please, because I've been asking you, and you've been just going along with the flow. 
because this came up in our Slack channel, and this was when it first came out. We actually we talked about it on the on the show. Is about all these nominations and awards that uh, Wingspan got. One of them being a card game, and I had an issue with it winning card game. Mark Kell was complaining, whining. Is there any stronger word I can have like that? No, that's good. In the Slack channel that this was 100% a card game. So let me ask you, sir, now that you've played this game and you're going to categorize this game, would card game be one of the top categories you'd call it? It comes down to your definition of a card game. Yes, I am punning around it because really, I mean, to me, a card game is a game where you are playing cards in the middle of the table trying to, you know, do tricks and things like that. That's a card game to me. It's it's okay. Well, this is this is your opinion. Would you classify this as a card game? Would I classify it as a card game under Tony? Yeah. Let me ask you one more time. Would you classify this as a card game? Uh, you, Tony, is this a card game? Give me a second with this. You can edit this oh my out. Lord. Well, no, I got to think back because in my previous definition of a card game, no, it would not be. But uh, is Ascension a card game? Yes. Then yes, Wingspan's a card game. You're building a tableau. Just in Ascension, you're building it on your turn and then wiping it away. Would you call Imperial Settlers a card game? See, I, I don't know why we need to call it that. I, I don't, I would, I'd rather call it what it is. It's an engine builder. Yeah, we need a new host. I need somebody that actually agrees with me and has my back every once in a while. I got your back. I, you know, what, what do you well, want? Now Mark's going to listen to this. He's going to be laughing. Go, ha, 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 totally agrees with me. <laughs> I'm not saying I... Uh, I don't like the fact that you're sitting here trying to say, is it this type because it has cards in it or it doesn't? It's the mechanics of what a card game okay, is. Okay, 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 okay. How about this? Would you call it a board game or a card game? I'd call it a board game. Thank you, Defense Rest. Now we can move on. <laughs> okay, that's, that's good. But I would, if I were to tier it, I would say it is an engine builder. Yes, I 100% agree with you. I... I rarely, when I say what kind of game is it, I don't ever call it by its components. I say what is the main mechanic of the game. So we're going to talk about that. And I will say that my 73-year-old mother-in-law quickly grasped it within two turns and loved it. Yeah. Well, uh, Vanessa's mom grasped it and liked it too. I think that's the big appeal of that game is... That it has big appeal. There you go. That it has mass appeal to a lot of different people. Uh, yes. It's so easy. Barely an inconvenience to learn. Oh, I, I will say, uh, we talked about hopefully wanting the chance to get together this Thursday and see Mark and Nate. But before we started recording, we did get a note from Nate. Oh, this is classic. Uh, saying is, here, just just let me quote. Let me quote. So we've been planning for like a week or so. Mark finally feels comfortable enough to have us over to his house. And we've all agreed that this is going to happen. And then today, Nate says, is this really happening? Nate comes in and says, and I quote, tiny chance I'll have to bow out this week for your information. Someone I was in contact with getting test results back tomorrow. <laughs> now, that's awesome. You know, he's got, hopefully everything is a-okay. But I can see Mark over there who has not responded to this message Freaking out right now. So there's a chance that none of us will be playing anywhere this Thursday because Mark's like, nope, it's too soon. Pulling back. Testing is escalating. Uh, this, our state that we live in, North Carolina, has spiked a couple of times. I mean, every time, turn around, they've set new records for number of cases back positive. 
So it's bound to happen that, you know, you're going to see more positives because we're testing more. It's the way it is. But I truly, truly believe that when all is said and done, mm-hmm. this virus is not going to lead to the zombie side. I have finally put, put that to rest, you know, because everybody's going to have it. it that, this is not the zombie side virus. It's not. So you're not going to worry about some sheriff riding onto downtown Atlanta on a horse. No. It is the vaccine that we will all get. And I actually heard today, still estimations is Q1 21. So I've got time before everybody starts turning into zombies. My daughter and I had a long discussion about this. (laughs) I'm glad you're having important uh, father-daughter discussions there. You're lucky it didn't come on last show when she was doing the recordings with me. Lord. All right, look, I see one other little note here that you want to mention about how, what makes you grumpy. What's, what's going on here? So when you actually do play real card games, one of the biggest things, pet peeves, grumpiness I have is when you have completed a hand and people talk about what was in their hand and why they couldn't do certain things. While you're shuffling the cards and they're saying, oh, well, you know, I had two aces and da, da, da. I'm just like, I don't care. It's over. I obviously knew what you had in your hand. We just played. So why do you have to share this with me again and explain your logic by why you couldn't beat my Trump? I know why you couldn't beat my Trump. Because I had Trump. And, and to do that round, hand after hand after hand. Really? Do I need to really hear? Five crowns. We just finished playing five crowns and I kept hearing, well, I couldn't m- get any matches. I started out with all the cards being different. Well, obviously, cause you didn't go out. I know this. I see this. Oh, uh, this. Oh. And then when we play, Oh, Peshaw and I'm hearing about, well, I didn't know how to bid this hand. There were only two cards and that's not Trump. It's not hard. That frustrates me. I don't want to hear what you had in your hand. I saw what you had in your hand. I was sitting at the table. I'm done. Boy, the threshold for grumpiness, grumpiness is getting lower and lower with each episode. I'm getting older. <laughs> okay, so we're sitting there at a, at a board table, and you just finished one or a board board table, a board game, and we just finished round one. Not a card game, not a board a, game. Not a board game. And said, well, you know, I rolled a six, and then I had to move here, and I couldn't purchase because I didn't have enough money, so I had to put this uh, real estate up for auction, and you were able to buy it, that, that roll. Okay, your turn. You roll, you go. Next roll. Oh, look, I rolled a seven and I ended up here. You know, well, I, I'm sitting right here. So you don't need a play-by-play of everybody's moves, what you're saying. I don't need it after the fact. You don't need color commentary during the game. No, because I'm the, right there. You don't need instant replay explaining what just happened. You know, that's not important to me at this time. I'm trying to concentrate on my... I guess what gets on my nerves is I'm usually the one that ends up with the score pad. Mm-hmm. Because I'm too cheap and I don't buy an app on my, my iPad to keep score. Because I still have paper and pencil. It's a novel. It works on my math skills as I get older. Remembering how to That's add. Fair. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm keeping my brain somewhat sharp. So I'm sitting here trying to write down people's score. People are yelling scores at me. Well, I just played this and I did this. And I'm like, okay, do you not see me trying to hear this person and hear this one? And now I've got to, okay, eight plus three is 11. No, or is it 12? I'll carry your one. Did I carry my one here? I don't need to hear this. Just shuffle and deal. Okay, so I know what I need to do Thursday to get your goat. The list is long. Pick one. (laughs) It doesn't take much is what we're hearing here. (laughs) Maybe. 
<laughs> Ooh, you are hard to play with, I tell you. Sounds like you need a co-host, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it just so happens. <laughs> what just so happens, huh? What? You, you know what? Let's um. Uh, let me let me tell you what happens. Uh, in our next segment here. So episode 199, we joked about, hey, you know, maybe we need to get a new co-host. For 199 episodes, you have been joking about, are you just going to replace me? This is, you know, we have a guest on, he's coming on to be my replacement, etc. And so we joked about, okay, maybe people need to send in audition tapes, (laughs) audition tapes, need to send in audition files for being the new co-host of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. No, it was kind of a, it was kind of a, a tongue in cheek joke, but Tony, we actually got submissions for taking over your role on the show. Oh, do they think they can handle it? I don't know. People had said, "No, I'm kind of interested in this. What what can I do?" And I said, "All right, all right. Here, here's what I'm going to do. I sent out a file of a sample of questions of like conversation starters or just questions that I might ask during a show, just to see what their responses are. Now, some people." took those and gave their responses. Some people said, no, I'm going to go off script. I'm just going to tell you why I need to be the co-host. So it was kind of opened up to whatever people wanted to do. So Tony, what I have here are nine submissions, nine auditions that we're going to go through together. Because here's the thing, I found out in management stuff, if somebody gets promoted, you want the person that's getting promoted to have a little hand in picking their successor. And that's what I want to do here with you. If, if you're going to be replaced I think you should have a say-so in who will take that spot in your chair as co-host. Okay, so we're going to clarify a couple of things. First off, I am not getting promoted. I'm being booted out. <laughs> I guess that is weird to say. We're going to have to let you go, but can you help us find a replacement? <laughs> and what was your cross-sectional request? Who, who did you ask Oh no! It was just it was just kind of out there, and just people kind of submitted. So a whole you probably what sent this out to a large distribution list, didn't you? I, I did a large distribution list. Now a lot of people just didn't care at all. I can understand that. And it was like, uh, yeah, I have zero interest in this whatsoever. But th- there were a few takers. Okay, and it, and it ranges, Tony. We have we have content creators, we have publishers that you know want a shot to be a co-host of the most prestigious, okay, never mind. want a shot to be a co-host of this tiny little show as, as we cross the 200th episode mark. It's like, it should be a fresh beginning, a whole new start, and see if they can last another eight and a half years. Good luck to them. Let's get to it. <laughs> all right, sir. So I have these queued up, forced uh, to listen to, all right? And uh, we're just going to start going through each one, and uh, after we hear... You give us your uh, uh, opinion on, on on what you heard, and, and we'll kind of go from there. Again, the I sent out a recording of some questions, so you're going to hear a lot of these people use the exact same questions over and over. So, uh, uh, Tony, you ready for uh, me to play uh, track number one for you? Uh, yes. Let's let's hear the first victim. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, check this out. The first track is from our good friend Dan King, uh, the Game Boy Geek. So, do you have any interest in playing this five-player game that takes about four hours to play? Well, when you say it like that in Tony time, no way, because I don't like those long games, but I'll play it in half the time because I talk faster than him. He has that slow southern draw and I talk really fast. I play really fast. No AP. We'll get it done in half the time. I'm your man. 
Did you hear about that new game that was just announced? It's supposed to be one of the best social deduction games of all time. I have, and since I got connections, I've already played it. It's at my house. I'll bring it down there to your neighborhood, and we're going to play the prototype version. Because I know, Tony, we played Social Deduction before with you. Everybody had fun except Tony. Everyone was loving it. He brought the whole crowd down. I don't know why he doesn't like Social Deduction games. He just just boggles my mind that this boy doesn't like it. Get him out of there. Bring me in. Social Deduction is one of my favorites. I already got the game. What's your general mood? Is it happy? Is it grumpy? Actually, it's the opposite of Tony because it sounds like he's half asleep most of the time in your podcast and he's so old he probably does actually fall asleep. You'll have none of those problems with me. Star Trek or Star Wars? Actually, both. But in addition to that, I like Star Realm, Star Cartel, Star Fall, Dice Stars, Walk Star, Among the Stars, Catan Starfarers, Escape the Room Mystery at the Stargazer's Manor. And I like that video game back in the day, Star Fox. How about that? There's this new card game coming out. There's like expansion packs released every month, but it looks really cool. You you interested in trying it? You mean maybe like Marvel Champions, something like that? Oh man, I'd love to try that because every month my statistical analysis Six Sigma Black Belt for my engineering career will allow me to put everything in a spreadsheet where all the stats and I'll figure out all the different ways to win. And I'm not even going to sell it to you, dude. I'm just going to give it to you. All right, Tony. Uh, there you go. Uh, critique. Uh, what do you think there? I talk too slow. What? <laughs> Oh, come on. If you want to do that, if that is your measure of quality right there, okay, fine. Yes, he's very happy. He's out there. He enjoys some of the same things you do. And he knows how these things that start with star. <laughs> he has a black belt in, uh, what is Sigma, it? Uh, Sigma six. Six Sigma. Or Sigma six. Or, and this engineering, I got an engineering degree. You want to replace me? Yeah, fine. He probably uses his. Now he is he is very hyper. He I don't know if I can keep up with Dan's a thing. He is like da, 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 da. he he is just rattling stuff off. So his enthusiasm, I'm not even sure I can even keep up with. I'm I'm very much used to your little bit slower pace. All right, who's next? Oh, okay, okay. That's one. Keep in your mind. You haven't got to rank these right now, okay? That's just that's just number one. So Dan right now is the best and worst, okay? All right. Let's uh let's go ahead and go to track two. Hello, my name is Ignacy Trzewiczek. I, I heard there is a open job for a podcaster. I have experience. I can I can talk. So do you have any interest in playing this five-player game that takes about four hours to play? I absolutely love I'd love to. Yes, absolutely. Did you hear about that new game that was just announced? It's supposed to be one of the best social deduction games of all time. Social did I want to be very honest. Social deduction games are I love them. I, I love them all. How's your yard looking? My yard. Next question. Your thoughts on strike? I love it. What's your general mood? Is it happy? Is it grumpy? I would describe myself, if I have to be honest, like a very happy person. Uh, the grumpy is the opposite of my usual approach to life. Star Trek or Star Wars? I guess Star Trek. There's this new card game coming out. There's like expansion packs released every month, but it looks really cool. You interested in trying it? I'm in. Absolutely. I'm in. Yes. Yes. So, do I have to jump? So, yeah, that's our good buddy Ignacy from uh, Portal Games. See, we have a, our first publisher uh, coming in is interested in your seat. So, uh, what do you think about that uh, audition? Right so, there? I've got to protect you. First off, his times do not sync with you. You would have to get up earlier or stay up Ooh. later, so there's a problem there. However, his pros are on pronunciation. He would nail the designers for you. You would oh, 
all the European designers uh, names that we struggle with, he'd have, especially the Germans, because I believe he speaks German, he'd have them all. And you also get the cross-language community. He could do a Polish portion of ORDTN. There's, there's a lot of positives there, except for that long. You do have a lot of... Uh, Good points about all the other stuff, though. So anyway, that that's our second. That's our second. We'll keep 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 all straight in your head. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, we're up to track number three, and uh, this is our good friends Chris Kirkman and uh, Dan Patrice. Hey, man. What's up? Nothing. We got to do something for Marty and Tony from the Geek All Stars. They have their two hundredth episode coming up. So, I mean, after all, they are literally the oldest friends we have. Yeah, I see what you did there, and it's true. Hey, uh, by the way, this is Chris. Congrats to Marty and Tony. That's wait, awesome. Wait, wait, dude. What, what are you doing? I'm not recording this. I just what? I want to audition for Tony's job. I figured just being Dan on a Geek All Stars is great, but I got time. I can do another show, and you know, you do the state of games, so I want to well, audition for his job. I suppose, um, but if you're going to replace Tony, you, you better work on your Southern. All right, so, well, who better than you to coach me? <laughs> I guess so, but here we go. Let's give it a shot. Repeat after me. Hey, y'all. How you doing? That dog won't hunt. Uh, that ain't going to work. All right, that's pretty good. More nervous than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Man, that, that cat better watch out. <laughs> All right, well, let's <laughs> skip that one. How about an easy one? Bless his heart. That guy's an idiot. Okay. Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Oh, wait, uh. I went to Bowie's Creek. That was uh, Campbell. I went to college there. <laughs> That's another uh, tangent. Let's move on. All right. Um, how about busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest? Busier than a one-eyed cat watching 10 rat holes. Man, that is, this is very New York. Uh, good luck on this interview because you're going to need it. <laughs> okay. So uh, we, we had Ignacy, who you know is, is from Poland. And now we have somebody else that's uh, trying out. Uh, Dan, who is from New York. Uh, again, a different a different flair. At least Chris is trying to coach him in sounding more Southern. I would agree. And you know how I'm responsible for the show notes and putting them up on the website. Right. I think that would fall more on you to and then have to do a translation for some of our you know key audience <laughs> here in the South. But that's okay. Because Dan is from North Carolina. We're rubbing off on him. He's a great, great guy. He's also got that thing about movies that you do he might even understand some of your sayings that i have no clue what you're talking about oh the pop culture references now see that is a plus he does keep up with pop culture stuff like comics and tv shows and stuff he watches more than what's on cbs and that's a positive <laughs> this is sad I'm, I'm really seeing the writing on the wall here uh, how many more do we gotta go <laughs> don't worry no here, here we go we had a guy from poland we had a guy from New York. This is this is a gentleman from Canada. No, not that gentleman. A different gentleman. Hello, this is Connor McGoy from Inside Up Games. I'm auditioning for one of the chairs on the Rolling Dice and Taking Names podcast. I think I've pronounced that properly. Sorry, I'm Canadian, so I don't speak American very well. Um, I'm interested um, to participate mainly because I heard of another submission by a certain uh, Mr. Ignacy. Um, now, speaking of Canadian, I'm definitely not going to say his last name properly, so I'm just going to skip right over that. And I've come up with a solution that I believe would be ideal. And if Ignacy could perhaps replace Tony, um, I think the show would, would improve uh, quite a bit, and then perhaps maybe I could replace Marty. And then kind of you guys would, I guess we, not you guys anymore, but we would have more of an international flair. 
I think, you know, going for, going, going forward, I think 200 is a good run. So moving forward, I think, you know, the Canadian and the Polish working together. Um, I think it's, I think it's got a nice angle to it. Um, I think we could do great things. So I guess it's not so much an addition as it is a thanks for your time. Um, you're being forced into retirement. So thanks so much for all you've done. Um, and thanks for giving me the show. All right, so that was Connor from Inside Up Games. We had just actually talked about uh, one of his games in the last episode that was on uh, Kickstarter, uh, City Builder. And uh, so I, I didn't realize this. He's They're looking to replace me too. So uh, now here's a nice thing, Tony. There, there is a retirement option here on the table for both of us. We could just ride off into the sunset and turn it off, turn it over to these guys, him and Ignasi. Ignasi already has four or five or seven shows. I can't keep counting anymore. I don't know if Connor realized that. That's a pretty tough thing because he would have to do the editing. And Connor just needs to concentrate on putting out great quality games like, you know, City Builder, like you just mentioned. Connor, stick to what you're good at. Well, we're sticking to the podcasting and we aren't good at that. Point. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. So... You're going to have a hard choice here because, you know, right now, mm, things are pretty neck and neck with all these guys. I mean, I mean, is there going to be anybody that has a lot? When you look at their resume, it says, I've been doing this for a while, this board game review thing. Do we have any of that going on here? Well, it's interesting that you say that because the the next person, according to their audition tape, has, has a lot of familiarity with board games. So uh, maybe you're interested in this next guy. Is this on? Is this on? Okay, 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 okay. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it, Tom. Okay. My name is Tom Vassell, and I'm new to this podcasting thing, but I heard there was an open position for co-host on the uh, rolling dice and taking names. And so I went and listened to a bunch of your uh, podcast episodes, and I agree. This is a completely necessary change. To have half of the podcast just be full of inane ramblings of really bad opinions on games, uh, detrimental and rude to the co-host, uh, setting a bad example for Southerners in general, and this what is with this moon? None of this makes any sense. Um, but I have to say that I mean I think I know a little about games, maybe. But the fact of the matter is, anybody could come on and replace. I mean. I don't know how Tony has put up with Marty for this long. It doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, Tony is, uh, Tony, I mean, I, I really think you could do a solo podcast for one, but Marty, why, why, what what possessed you to bring him on the show? Well, I will gladly take his place. I mean, this must be a relief for you. And, and oh, wait a minute. Wait, Tony? Wait, Tony's the one being replaced? That doesn't make any sense. What? How could the... What? Well, that's insane. I'm sorry. But, you know, you have one good thing going and you're getting rid of it. I, I can't. I can't see how the podcast could, could, could get... Could get... Oh, man. Well, I'm sorry. I'm going to withdraw my application. I thought I was going to get to work with Tony. And instead, I'm going to be forced to work with Marty. I, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I, can't, I don't think anyone can do that. Tony, you, you're an angel. You're a hero. But also, um, Dyson a bowl. Okay, yeah, I'm just going to throw that one out right now because that one took a little turn at the end that I was not expecting. Well, I think I might have another opportunity here. I think I can. 
I might be able to get a rebrand here. Come up with a better podcast name, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like how Tom says the rolling dice and taking names like the Ohio State. <laughs> but at least, I mean, if he and I were to start one, you know what I got here? I can I can come up with a better name, get better merchandising. You know how that can well, go. That took a turn I was not expecting right there. So I don't know if we need to consider that one or not. Uh, but yeah, I have to agree at the end of it when he says dice in the bowl. He's back in. No, no. He's out. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, just, so basically just that. So he gives you all these accolades and just that one comment right there. He's out. That's it. I'm sorry. I can't work with a man like that. He's got to see eye to eye on that. Wait a minute. I keep working with you, though. Man, I, we can make this work. We can make this work. So, Tony, we have another esteemed designer coming on. Uh, he has actually been on the show a few times, so he knows the ropes. He understands the show. He understands the dynamic and how it works. So, uh, let's. Uh, why don't you listen to this and, and see what you think of this person? However, I, I will say, Tony, that he kind of goes off the rails at the end. I'm not sure what's going on here, but here, you, you take a listen. Hello, this is Rob Davio, and you are listening to Roll Dice, Take Names. So do you have any interest in playing this five-player game that takes about four hours to play? Marty, I would love to play a five-player, four-hour game. That would be absolutely a treat to just hang out together and get to know you better. Did you hear about that new game that was just announced? It's supposed to be one of the best social deduction games of all time. I would absolutely love to play a social deduction game with you, Marty, but we all know we'll be playing for second. Because you're so damn good at these. How's your yard looking? Marty, have I told you about my lawn care regimen? It's got 12 different parts to it, but I think you'd find it a fascinating story. Of course, I would like some tips on how to make it better. What are your thoughts on strike? (laughs) Good one, Marty. I enjoy hearing your wisdom. What's your general mood? Is it happy? Is it grumpy? You know, Marty, that's a very good point. I've learned something today. Star Trek or Star Wars? Marty, have you ever spent hours talking about lawnmowers? Because honestly, nothing makes me happier. Thank you once again for giving me this opportunity to present my work to you. It is a true pleasure to know you, Marty. And that other guy. Um, What's his name? Uh, Not Larry. Um, You know the one. Thank you. All right, I just got one sound effect for you. That's the biggest suck up I've ever heard. Oh my gosh. So far, I think Rob's up there at the top right now. I think, you know, he's he he's catapulted himself to the to the top of the pack right there. That was that was a pretty good one. Even though kind of at the end, I, I don't not exactly sure what was going on, but uh that was pretty good. Uh, do you not understand what I was going on? He was literally phasing me out. He was trying to force, <laughs> make you forget my name. Do you see how that would work? Oh, yeah. I know what he's up to. Now, I, he had me at the you know 12-step regimen on lawn care. <laughs> I would love to do Maybe that's the podcast for Mr. Davio. You know? Let's bring on, let's bring on some lawn care episodes. Or, or better yet, how about cooking on the green grass? What about cooking on the lawn? Cooking on the lawn, yeah. Oh, unreal. So right, right now, that's kind, of, that's kind of my favorite right now. I wonder so. why I suck up. <laughs> he does have your tone uh, down, though, I must say. I'm going to leave that pause there. 
<laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. So, oh, Lord, we've already had one New Yorker. We've had several publishers, but it's uh, it's it's time for another one. So let's queue up this this next guy. I'm, I have no idea what's going to be said here. Here we go. <clears throat> uh, hi, uh, hello. Uh, is this thing on? Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, my name is Stephen Bonacore. I'm the president of Stronghold Games. Uh, I'd like to apply for the job of co-host uh, on Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Um, I have vast industry knowledge um, in the board gaming industry. Uh, I'm uh, besides being on about fifty-seven thousand two hundred ninety-four podcasts across the world. Uh, my own podcast is now at one hundred and fifty episodes. Board Games Insider with Ignacy Chevichek and Stephen Bonacore. Yeah, doing really good, and we're really good at it. Um, my accent, my accent would fit right in, you know, with your horrible southern accents. Um, and uh, really, I think I would do a great job being on on the podcast and replacing tony thank you for listening hey what, what what is going on here this is ridiculous everybody knows that tony who was called the other guy is the real brains and the real talent on this show the, marty forget about it ridiculous forget about it tony you're the man nobody can replace you once again, Tony, that took a turn that I was not expecting there, uh, just like uh, Mr. Vassal earlier. I'm, I'm not a big fan of that one, just saying right off the bat. Nothing but love here. <laughs> um, <laughs> hold on. Um, I'm kind of touched. Do you, do you need a moment? Need a tissue? Dad tears. Dad tears. <laughs> okay. I'm good. <sighs> However, That's I will say, if all of a sudden it's like I, I, I'm out and he's in, you do realize it's nothing but self promotion 100% of the episode. I think about how much I don't have to talk with him. <laughs> <laughs> just, That's just throwing that out there. True. <laughs> 100% true. I'm, a, I'm good with that. It looks like there's another front runner for you there right there. It doesn't, you know, you don't get off the hook. Well, actually, you still do. You get to be on the show and you don't have to do anything. That's uh, taking it down even less the level that I'm doing now. I like this. Yeah, this next guy is uh, it's David Waybright from Man vs. Meeple. I consider this guy a friend, but I consider some of these other people friends too. And they kind of stuck a knife in my back. So let's let's just listen to this one and see how this one goes. So do you have any interest in playing this five-player game that takes about four hours to play? <laughs> five players, four hours? Uh, no, thank you. Now, if you'd said four players and five hours, then we might have something to talk about. Did you about that new game that was just announced? It's supposed to be one of the best social deduction games of all time. Hmm, let's see if I can deduce whether I'm interested in playing that. No. How's your yard looking? My yard? Oh, it is looking fantastic. Now, with that said, I did have it filled in with cement, and I just painted it green, but it is superb. What are your thoughts on Strike? Played it three times. I'm out. What's your general mood? Is it happy? Is it grumpy? Uh, my mood is about 80% happy, 30% grumpy. I, I, I think the math checks out on that. Star Trek or Star Wars? May the Force prosper with you. There's this new card game coming out. There's like expansion packs released every month, but it looks really cool. You you interested in trying it? Um, with you. All right. Uh, thoughts on Mr. Wave right there? You can have him. Just saying, if you <laughs> if you want to go there, I mean, I've tasted toasts that have more personality. 
<laughs> oh, oh, just kidding aside. We know David's got some great. And the good thing is, Marty, that you could, you know, I'm a David too. So you could actually just shift the name over and it'd be kind of like uh, smooth right into it. Uh, my concern is he does not have a lawn. He's concrete all the way, though I have thought about just rocking in some bad spots on mine. But right, but I was a little concerned at the end of that interview. I He said, with you? I, I heard a question mark. It was. It, it was another little dig at me, but you know. I mean, you know, that's par for the course because right now, I, you know, you're my co-host. So. I, I understand. But hey, I, I play disc golf, but m- maybe, you know, so does Mr. Waybright. So the last one here, Tony, is uh, Mr. Rodney Smith from Watch It Played. So do you have any interest in playing this five-player game that takes about four hours to play? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, wait a minute, actually. I, now that Tony's gone, does that mean you'll be teaching the rules? You know what? Actually, I'm not so interested anymore. Did you hear about that new game that was just announced? It's supposed to be one of the best social deduction games of all time. Social deduction? Is this a games podcast I'm interviewing for? I thought you only covered lawnmowers and soft drinks now. Oh, I did not prepare properly, and I drank way too much soda. How's your yard looking? Now we're talking. It's looking great, Marty. The abaxials of my grass are giving a nice look to the crisscross pattern I last mowed. The pH reading is a healthy 6.4. And after some slit seeding, I'm preparing for my next batch of hydro seeding and hydro mulching. You know, just the basic stuff. What are your thoughts on Strike? Well, I think my opinion there is pretty well documented. Oh, you want me to say it? Gladiators in an arena. What's your general mood? Is it happy? Is it grumpy? Happy, of course. Until you say Strike is just dice in a bowl again, Marty. There's this new card game coming out. There's like expansion packs released every month, but it looks really cool. You, You interested in trying it? Which publisher is releasing that? You know what? doesn't matter. Here's my credit card. Buy everything. Let's do this. Wow. That is almost a dovetail match right there. <laughs> I, I will give him credit. He, he did his homework for lawn care. Mm-hmm. Got to give him that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he fits right into your wheelhouse with the LCGs, CCGs, all of that. He's just kind of like you with me. Uh, we're doing this. Go buy it. And he's already there. He's Good to go. Now, I'm not sure what a pattern is. It's it's up there with uh, oot. Oot. <laughs> you just need to keep up with him. Just roll with it. The only issue might be that happiness might get to you. It might be a problem later in life. I don't know. I'm just saying you, you might be used to what I bring here when it comes to the grumpy. And he might be an actual bigger evangelist for gladiators in the arena than what you are. We're neck and neck. I think we share the pulpit, but yes, he probably is. All right, Tony, that was the last audition. Wait, 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 Marty. Wait, wait, Vanessa, I'm kind of right in the middle of recording right now. I know. I wanted to give you my audition tape. You you made one? I did. Oh, okay. Well, Tony, we have a late entry. I have actually a cassette tape here that we'll we'll check out. All right, let's uh let's listen. Testing, testing. One, two, three. Is this on? Are we recording? This is the audition tape for Vanessa Connell. Hey, y'all. My name is Vanessa, and I am married to Marty Connell. I believe that I would make a better co-host than Tony because, first of all, I do the opening for every segment anyway. The listeners already know my voice. Another reason, Marty and I are in the same house. We could record anytime. Any day, 
It doesn't have to be locked into Tony's dinner schedule. Plus, I have a few ideas in how to make the show better. The name itself says rolling dice and taking names. We will review all dice games all the time. No more deck building, no more cards, rolling dice. There it is in the name, rolling dice and taking names. I will bring that out for the listeners. Also, no more talking about lawnmowers. It is now all about crocheting. We will talk about yarn. We will talk about stitches. We will talk about the size of the hook needed for different projects. It will now be all about dice and crocheting. Uh no, maybe that's not a, exactly a good fit either right there. So <laughs> that last minute entry right there. Uh, all about dice games and crocheting. I don't know about that. That's number one. <laughs> right there. Matter of fact, you can tell her I've picked up her passion. <laughs> oh my gosh. You, you got a crocheting needle, dude. I got a G right here, baby. Tell her that. Tell her maybe... Maybe she should just get on my dinner schedule and not worry about this, and we can just kick you. Why don't you just be the producer, and then how about I be Vanessa and Tony? I'll come back for that. You want to replace me? Maybe I should replace you. Yeah, well, it looks like about half of these are replacing me. So you know what? You know what? This is just a bad idea. We've made it this far. 200 episodes with with just us. Maybe we should just keep it like that. Obviously, things seem to be going okay. I'm fine with that. Let's let's see where we are. 200 plus. That's 500 if the math checks, to quote Dave Waybright. <laughs> 200 plus 200 is 500? That, that's a Waybright math right there. <laughs> okay, okay, uh, okay. You know what? Fine. We're going to stick together for a little bit more, so... One for the rest of this episode, we actually do some board game reviews. You've already heard Ignacio on the show trying to take my job. Well, there is no way I could take over that company. That company is leading the pack. Oh, my heavens, with all of that print and play stuff out there for you. As we continue to go through our isolation, hopefully things are opening up. And if they do, then may I suggest that you go ahead and get Imperial Settlers because Ignacio has the pre-orders open for Rise of the Empire. That's right. Go over to PortalGamesUS.com. Be sure to check that out. Read about the new... Romans as they're coming to take over Imperial Settlers. Better yet, there is always LA Crimes to take a shot at. Also, Ignacy's new app, Imperial Settlers Roll and Write. It's one of the top apps out there right now. Cheap, and even I opened my wallet up for it. Leading the pack, just had a major update. Be sure to check that out. If you haven't downloaded, please do. Gives you that Roll and Write game and Less time, one of Tony's favorite criteria for all games. Less time. Be sure to check it out at portalgamesus.com. Marty, do you remember when we used to talk about nothing but Netrunner? Uh, actually, when the show first started 200 episodes ago, that was kind of when we got infatuated with Netrunner. We kind of had a running gag. It's like every episode we much, must mention Netrunner at least once, and we did for a while. It was an obsession with ours for about the first year that it came out. Well, we got a new obsession. Yeah, we did. And that is from David Thompson, Undaunted. 
And Trevor Benjamin. And Trevor Benjamin. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm, I apologize, Trevor. Now, North Africa is on the horizon. Well, it's actually, I guess, is it on the horizon? That's uh, it's far away on the horizon. I mean, I'm not sure that we can see it from the horizon. I guess if you go far enough around the globe, you'll eventually see it on the horizon. If you're on the International Space Station, you could. Oh, that's true. Did you see that locket, uh, rocket oh, launch? Here we go. Undaunted North Africa. We got to play it. It introduces some vehicles. But the same core concepts are there, are they not? Kinda. What do you mean, kinda? I, You're playing cards. No, 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 no. Yeah, the, the concept of this is a deck building game that has a World War II theme, just like Normandy. We, you and I loved, loved Normandy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The basic mechanics are the same, right? You're going to have scenarios. It's going to tell you what decks to build. You build decks. Each of you draw four cards. You play a card that's your initiative card. Whoever has the highest gets to go. And then you're moving tokens around the board. These cards like to move tokens around the board and try to achieve whatever the scenario objectives are. They change each scenario. Really? Do, do the scenario objectives change each scenario? Oh, my Lord. I mean, I just sat here and said, are the base kind? 200 episodes. No, but hold on. Stop. That's where the s- similarities stop. Is that not the base? Is that not the base? That is the base, but there's enough difference in this game between North Africa and Normandy that I want both of these on my shelves. And tell me, what are those differences? Number one is in Normandy, typically that token represents an entire unit, multiple people. So as you take damage with that uh, unit, even though... You may uh, lose all your cards. For those who don't know how to play Undaunted, when you take damage, when you do combat, you roll dice. And if damage is inflicted, uh, you must remove one of those unit type cards from your first, either your hand, uh, your discard pile, or your deck. In Normandy, if all the cards are removed from all three of those, you remove the token off the board. But from your supply, there is an action that you can take on Undaunted to add a card from your supply to your deck. That's how you build your deck with a, a command called bolstering. You get to put that token back on the board when that card comes back up in your hand. Big difference with North Africa, those tokens represent an individual. So if ever you have to get rid of all the cards out of your hand deck discard pile, even though you have make more cards in your supply, that's it. That token is removed off the board and it does not come back. And you and I, in the games that we played, that totally changed the dynamic of the game. Yes, it did. Completely. Your sniper was not nice. That, that first play with that change changes the whole concept. The base is yep. there, but now we've got a whole new strategy. We've got a whole new way of, oh, oh what's the expression? It's not skinning the, I don't want to say what I was about to say. That would have been bad. That would have been an editing thing you would have had. Skinning a polecat? No, there's some about, you know. Anyway, it's a whole different method. In the second scenario that we played, your goal was the fact that you had to destroy structures. Structures are new. Or it was that I had to destroy. You had to destroy. I had to destroy. Mm -hmm. You were the one that got me, dude, because I had to destroy structures with an engineer. Uh, there are two different types of army. There's uh, Italy and there's the uh, British Desert Army. And I had engineers, which would go and blow up stuff. My goal is to blow up things. Your goal was to take control of those exact same things. Right. And your sniper took out my scout, which without the scout, which is something from the base, you can't go to a uncharted territory. Right? That's true. Yep, that's true. And and you were rolling three or four dice, I can't remember, and you were 
bam, even though I was able to bolster my hand and get all my scouts into my card drawing, you went through those very quickly to the point where it was like, I'm done. There's nothing I can do. But then the tables flipped and you said, oh, well, guess what, Marty? The only unit that you have that can destroy things is the engineer, which has the ability to destroy structures. So you started pinging at my engineer till he was taken off the board. Neither of us had a way to obtain objectives. And so it ended up in a tie. But what we found out was, holy cow, these tokens that you used to in Normandy, eh, if they get cleared off the board, I'll just bring them back and respawn them on the board. That whole concept is gone. And now there are very important units on the board that you must protect with your other units to make sure they survive. That makes the strategy so much different. Plain and simple. Forget the vehicles. Well, no, don't, no, 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 no. Don't forget the vehicles. We'll, we'll come back. Well, to yeah, I was going to go there. I said, yeah, but for me, it's just, okay, that right there says, okay, I've really got to think through this. I've really got, I needed to pull back that scout. I needed to do something to protect him and, and I didn't realize it. So you've got to grasp that concept early. Yeah. And in fact, I played an online game uh, with the designer, David Thompson. We've been streaming a few of these and we played another scenario that I had not played from North Africa. And I was, we were like talking about that. And he says, yeah, you, you've got to really be careful. If like one of your units has an ability that's, that's the integral part of the objective, you got to keep him safe. You just can't rush him in. Mm-hmm. You got to put out a front in front of him so that he can sneak into locations and maybe blow stuff up or take control of vehicles. So he said that totally changes the game. And he said, also, I wanted to emphasize how asymmetric this game is. With Normandy, both sides, the Allies and the Axis, had these same types of units. Here they're different. The Italians have different units than the Long Range Desert Group or the LRDG that you, you'll see in the game itself. So like I said, one person has engineers, one side has tanks, so they have special drivers for the tanks and everything like that. This does not exist in the LRDG side. So two totally different plays, whichever side you play is going to feel different for the people that are playing. That's why I'm saying, yes, the mechanics are the same, but it feels totally different. And the good news is not a whole bunch of new keywords either. No, there was demolition. Yeah, but what I'm saying, there's not a long list of keywords, you know, like... Well, no, there's not, except... Well, no, no, let's, let's talk about the vehicles. So there are these vehicle cards. Okay. And you, you would take your tokens and you can actually put them in the vehicle. So when a card comes up of a unit that's in your vehicle... You could still take the action that's on the card, move, scout, whatever. But instead, you could activate the token that's in the vehicle. And whatever spot he's sitting in the vehicle, he can take an action. For example, the person in the driver's seat, guess what? They can drive. The person who's sitting in the back can man the guns and they can shoot. So it depends on where your token is sitting on what abilities they have. And that's based on a vehicle. So that does add some new keywords that's on the actual vehicles themselves. Okay, I'll, I'll yield to that. I'm fine with that. But I was thinking bolster, inspire, you know, suppression fire, all that stuff. It's not like he suddenly drops a. Okay, here's a portion that you need to learn that's new versus two pages of whole new text. Kind of takes me back to our Netrunner days when you'd get those expansion packs mm-hmm. and you'd be like, okay, how much has that changed? Which was one of the things we loved about Netrunner. I don't ever remember having to learn 20 new keywords. I do feel that this game has a little bit more of a learning curve. I think there's more strategy and tactics to this one because, and when I played this game with David, 
I had an option when my, that card came up with the unit, as opposed to just the actions on the card. If he was in a vehicle or on a same, if the token was on the same location as where a vehicle existed, there was a token that represented the vehicle on the board that moved around. But there's actual card that sits in front of you where you could, if you're on the same tile as a vehicle, take the token off the board and instead of put it in the vehicle. And the vehicle can move around and do different things. It has some impassable terrain. So the vehicles add this whole new mechanic of being able to carry multiple people. Actually, one of the scenarios that we played, Tony, is my goal was to get five people off the board. So I would load up trucks and try to get them off the board. Meanwhile, he's over there shooting heavy artillery at me, trying to take out the vehicle because the vehicles can now take damage. And they can take damage to the point to where they can't be driven. And the only way to fix them is have an engineer take a repair action, which is on a card, which removes a damage token from the board. So that adds some whole new mechanics and stuff. But now there's this whole concept of moving vehicles around the board and totally different play and feel than I still feel that Normandy has. You got a resistance fighters going against the German, the Italians so as mm-hmm. they're trying to gain a foothold. This is early war. Don't think this is the Rommel series or anything like that. This is early North Africa. That's one thing I want to be clear on. Don't think you're going to open a box and you're going to see the, the Germans with, the, with the, the tanks along those lines. And you're going to try to do, you know, have supply chain run issues. And how will Montgomery come in there? No, none of that's there. This is early World War II. So that, yep. that's something I want to be clear with everybody. You want it on your shelf. I want it on my shelf. Two different games. Two great two-player games right there. There is one other small change, too, and this was kind of an interesting concept. The idea of control in the rules for Normandy is different than it is in North Africa. I forgot that one, yep. This is a big one because the rules in Normandy were actually not the way they intended it to be, and it was fixed in North Africa. So the idea is that if there's a space where you can take control of it, if you go into a space and there's an enemy token there, you cannot take control of it until you remove that enemy token from the board. With the way the rules were supposed to be and way it is in North Africa, if you go into a space with an enemy unit and that space has not been taken control yet from the enemy, you can take a control action, take control of it. Then at that point, for an enemy to take control of it, they must wipe off wipe out your token for them to be able to take control back. And that little twist, that little rule, what that does was he said that it makes the game go longer is if you can't take control right off the bat of somebody else is there because it allows you to do some blocking and stuff. That's eliminating North Africa. So the game flow is a little bit quicker. And I asked David, I said, okay, can I just now use that rule of Normandy? He said, 100%. That's the way it was kind of supposed to be. So that's the control rule that I use from now on in both Normandy and North Africa. So you got a little FAQ going on here, huh? Yeah, well, and I told him that, and I said, you probably do want to put out some FAQs we were playing, because I, I think it might be useful if some of these little questions come up, because you can swap positions in a vehicle. Again, there's a lot of little things that you can do in the game. Honestly, adding two asymmetric armies and the vehicles and the control rule change does make it feel like a different game. So if you're a fan of Normandy and you thought, well, I already got a game like that, you really should look at North Africa because there's enough difference to me that warrants it. And once again, I love this series. This new version didn't make it feel old to me. It made it feel fresh and I want to play more. I love, love this deck building World War II themed combat game. And on my side, it's all around the lines of I've got a base and I'm slightly adding to it. There's the big kicker for me. I'm not having to 
expand the knowledge. I have two boxes and I feel like I've got completely different games that I have to relearn the rules to. I can keep building on them. I can go back and forth between the two, you know, quickly, straightforward, easy to teach for someone who's new to the series. So I can bring out either one, depending on how we want to start, where I think they are in the gaming. Undaunted North Africa. Again, this is not an expansion. This is a standalone game. You do not need Normandy in order to play it. Plays two players in about 45 to 60 minutes. Still one of our top games and more than likely, Tony, unless something else comes and takes a spot, I can see it being nominated again for a two-player Squirrelly Award. Coming back to the show for the third time, my wife, Donna. Hey. Hey. So glad you could join me again. You just want this pandemic over so you don't have to play those games with me anymore, don't you? You know, I always love playing games with you, baby. I know. So we got to play a game called Wingspan, which won a bunch of awards last year for best game, best family game, best strategy game. The list goes on and on. And I finally got a copy and we were able to sit down and play it. And just real quick for anyone who's not played it, which I can't fathom because I seem to be the last person on earth who hasn't played Wingspan. You've got four things you can do and you pick one during your turn. You can either play a card, you can either lay some eggs, you can gather some food, or you can draw more cards. And the whole object of Wingspan is to develop a aviary to generate you victory points because whoever has the most victory points is the winner at the end. And basically that's Wingspan. You and I sat down with your mother, who is how old? Let's not go there. Okay, we're not going to go there because then that might say, okay, uh, I forget where that may also date you a little bit. But anyway, she was able to pick this game up after some coaching. She did well. She she understood the, the dynamics at about the same time I did. So it takes a little bit. You have to play it to figure it out. But it was pretty straightforward. I mean, like I said, those, those actions, you knew what you needed to do. The, the challenge came in when you would play those bird cards and they had special power. It was the building on of the engine building process that she had never played that kind of a game before. Mm-hmm. But you had. Was it pretty intuitive? No, not in the beginning. Um, I think it took a little while to realize um, that that is actually what we were doing. And um, I know that we've played those kinds of games in the past. Um, there's one about space that I like. I can never remember what anything's called, roll, though. Roll for the Galaxy. Roll for the Galaxy. Yes, I do like that game. You and Vanessa actually reviewed that game together. We did? Yeah, you did. That was many moons. This is Many moons ago. There, there's not much memory left from before the pandemic, I swear. Yes, I didn't realize it was going to be that kind of a game. Um, so it took a little bit, a couple of rounds just to figure out, oh, wait, this is what I need to do. And then you need to plan for how you're going to end each round because you score, you play four rounds and you score at the end of each round. You know, you had to make sure you were doing what needed to be done to be scored at the end of the round. And each round scores differently based on, um, the goal, the card that got put there that randomly got randomly. yeah. Yeah. Some randomly selected goals. Yeah, some of them were who had the most birds or who had the most eggs in this type of nest, things like that. And so you had to plan for that. 
thing is, after that goal was scored, then you could ignore it. Yes, but that meant you spent the whole round trying to get some of those points. Then after that, it was not worth the same thing as it was when during that round. Right. But one of the interesting parts about that is at the end game scoring, some of those goals can help you. Like the total number of birds in the aviary, each bird has a vic- victory point associated with it. So as you're building that to meet that goal, that's helping you towards the end game scoring. It's not something you don't have to worry about anymore, but maybe what you did can help at the end for getting points for having birds in the aviary or number of eggs on your board or how much food you've stored away. Yeah, there are six or seven different ways to score victory points in the game. So um, you can never just focus on one in particular. You kind of have to try and be a little well-rounded. and not put all your eggs in one basket. Oh, yay. Look at her. Look at her come through with that. Speaking of basket, yeah, uh, your mother-in-law taught you how to crochet yeah, we talked little about baskets. Yeah, so, we talked. And we put the eggs in the basket. So. Yeah, we talked about that at the beginning of the show, about my new skill, my new hobby, crocheting. It's nowhere near what she did. Quality time with your mother-in-law. That's all that matters. That is all. And you, and you, because we played it again. And um, this time our scores were a little bit better. Instead of playing with three, we played with two. And I'm with you. You said at the end, you didn't like it as much. And I thought about why it was that I didn't like it as much. Um, With three people, first off, the cards turned over more often. Mm -hmm. So you had, um, I felt like with two people, I just had a terrible selection of cards. I could not get high high victory point cards, couldn't get good engine building cards. I felt like I was really struggling there. And the other thing that didn't turn over well at all was the food dice. Mm-hmm. It seemed like we probably only rolled those dice like four times, maybe the whole game. And um, we probably rolled them twice that much with three people. Right. So I just felt like it didn't, it didn't have the same dynamic with two people as it did with three people. Our scores were much higher. They were. And well, well, I had a special bonus. You also get special hidden bonuses at the end for scoring if you have like birds that eat cherries or birds that eat worms and you get so many points. And to your point, um, I had my special was birds that eat mice and the cards did just did not show up. And I kept trying to draw cards to get those. And I never really got any birds that ate mice. So that bonus was useless to me. I don't know if that happened to you. Um, that happened to me when we played the game with my mother, I mm-hmm. had a card that I never drew those kinds of cards. Mm-hmm. Or if I had those kinds of cards, then they were useless in other ways. They didn't have very many victory points on them, or they didn't help with the engine building. Um, the first game, I tucked away a lot of cards, um, which gave me a lot of points that way. But they were cards that weren't use. I wasn't using them in any other good fashion, although they might have helped me with my bonus points, but I think I got more points tucking them away and stuff. And one of the things is we were playing with the base game. I have the expansion and I didn't put that in there, which adds more goals and more birds. So I can't imagine, you know, there's over a hundred birds in the base and then you just stick a whole bunch more in there. The turnover's not there or maybe something doesn't show. Sometimes I wonder if too much is too much. If that made any sense. Uh, is that all that's in the expansion is uh, more 
bird cards? More, bir- more bird cards, some prettier eggs, and some new gulls. I didn't find a lack of the bird cards at all. I mean, there are tons of bird cards. We don't even go through half the deck of that. So that isn't a problem. I just think it would have been nice to um, somehow change something up in that so that you had more turnover of those cards and the food dice as well with two players. Right. I mean, even at the end of the round, we discarded what was shown and put out new cards like we're supposed to. You're, you're absolutely right. More people are going to make more turnover, which is kind of nice. But overall, was it fun? Did you find it challenging? I mean, obviously, I got you to play it again, so I know you enjoyed it. And now that I actually won the second game, I know we get to go back and see if you can beat me. You're usually very good at those engine building games. So I'm not, I wasn't surprised that you won that second game. Only by four points, I might add. This is true. Um, this is true. It was 86 to 90. Mm-hmm. So um, I held my own, which I was surprised at the final score because I thought you were kind of whipping me a little bit. Yeah. Unlike where you beat me and your mom on the first go round because you were stockpiling all those cards tucking them under which were counting worth points but overall i mean what do you think did you did you enjoy it yeah i did i don't know that i would play it again with just two people um but i would play it again i think it'd be fun to try it at four people do you think some of the other people that we play games with would enjoy it i think some of them would grasp it better than others i know that we play some games that And we've never done an engine building type game with some of our friends. I think they'd appreciate the, you know, the birds and the eggs and the little, you know, worms and cherries. And and the theme of the game is really kind of cute. Yeah. And the artwork's gorgeous. All the bird drawings and everything. That was And fun facts on all the little bird cards too. Fun facts. Yeah. And then just the whole um, aspect of placing them in the, I mean, the graphics on it, it was easy to understand. You, you, oh, this bird can go in the forest or it can go in the grasslands or it can go in the water. Cute little birdhouse to roll the dice. The dice, the wood dice, you know, instead of plastic. I mean, everything about the Stonemeyer game is top notch. Is this the female perspective of me? You know, the cute little eggs and no. the cute little birdhouse. Presence on a table is a major <laughs> thing on a board game. Seeing it, I mean, if it is ugly, you know, people aren't going to stop. But if, if we were to play, if you and I were to go to a place and throw wingspan on, having those eggs out there will gain more attention than little cubes. You know, everybody would be like, oh, that is so cool. And now that I have a little crochet nest that I can put the eggs in, that even draws more attention. You did a good job. That was your mom. Uh, I'm, I'll get mine. I'll get a little square. I'm going to learn how to do a square. So, I mean, all that comes together for a what I think a game deserving of all the awards. Now, there is a debate going on, and Marty and I talked about this before you and I reviewed it. Would you call this a card game? Yes. You would? I would. I mean, it's not a traditional card game like Oh Hell or um, Rummy. Family Show, easy now. No, they've heard us say that before. Okay. Opashaw. Opashaw, there you go. Spades, hearts, spades. It's not that kind of a card game, but, you know, I mean... A set collection game, do you call that a, a card game? Sure, because, you know, it has cards. This has cards. has lots of cards. There's the bird cards and the bonus cards. So You know, and that was the debate. I mean, is it a board game? Yes. Okay, and some people are sitting there, and if people want to go back and listen to me and Marty argue over this, you know, they're saying, well, it's not a board game. A card game is not a board game. Well, yeah, it is. Well, 
Unless your definition of a card game is only cards, right. like five crowns and, you know, those kinds of games. Those are card games. Six nymph, you know, all those. Those are card yeah, games. I mean, you know, I consider this a board game. Mm-hmm. Would you? Con- but then uh, people argue, is this a dice game? There's dice in it. Yeah, I wouldn't consider it a dice game. Okay. There's like five or six dice in the game and, you know, they have food on them, not numbers. So I'm glad you played it. I'm glad we sat down and got to enjoy Wingspan, a game that's won many awards. From my perspective, I hope we get to play it again. I can't wait to try the different goals from this game, from the expansion. I mean, it's going to definitely stay on the shelf. I would be interested to play it with our daughter sometime because she loves these engine builders. She loves, she dominates in these things. And she has a great mind for them. But it was great that your mom, I was very excited that your mom was catching on to this very quick. We had to go over what, you know, the cards meant and some of the terminology, but it was straightforward. And, and that's what I couldn't get over, just how quickly she was picking it up. It was very straightforward, easy to play once you understood the mechanics of it. Um, and then it just took a couple of rounds. It, it seemed like it took about the first half of the first round to um, understand how everything built on top of itself. And she even said, I want to play this again. Yes, she did. And then she left. (laughs) And so we didn't get a chance to do that. Uh, But uh, when she comes and visits again, I'm sure she'll ask me to bring that one because there's one game she always asks for and that's ticket to ride. So maybe wingspan will beat it out. Who knows? Well, thank you for coming back on Rolling Dice and Taking Names to do a review with me. You know, we've got some other shows planned out. You can take a break for a while, but I look forward to having you back at the end of June. Okay. Sure, you can go to Miniature Market and find a lot of great games. And you can find a lot of great games at great prices. But do you know that they also now carry gaming apparel? If you've ever been to Gen Con or Origins, any big con, there's usually a big booth there from a company called Off World Designs that has some amazing geek t-shirts. And now Miniature Market carries those on their website. And in fact, right now they're having a little bit of sale. There's some select styles of shirts that are on sale for like 12 bucks, but they have a lot of really cool designs. In fact, as I look at it, as I scroll on the page, there's like five pages of off-world design t-shirts that you are that are available for you to go and check out. A lot of different sizes, a lot of different styles. So Miniature Market is not just for gaming. You can also get some geek apparel. To find out more, you can go to miniaturemarket.com. Hey Marty, they carry any uh, crochet yarn or anything like that? Not yet, Tony. Not yet. Tony, when you and I first got back together, I know your love of train games and I thought what might get you excited if we try out two brand new train games and these are kind of easy to learn games play in an hour so I knew it'd be right in your wheelhouse and so you were like oh yeah I'm totally into this choo choo all aboard (laughs) (laughs) the first game that we played is the second in the Iron Rail series from Capstone game called Ride the Rails This is designed by Harry Wu with artwork by Ian O'Toole. And Tony, you and I have already talked about the first game in this series, Irish Gage. And in that game, 
you're, it's a stock bidding game. You're bidding on stocks and you're trying to get the most money. Here, it's more of a... Pick up and deliver. Thank you. I couldn't find the words. A pick up and deliver where you're trying to build tracks and invest in those railroads in order to move passengers across the map. And when you do, you collect a victory point. Just like in the first game, the rule page is only two pages, front and back. Plays three to five players. Plays in about an hour. And I will say, Tony, that this does have a different feel than that that first game, Irish Gage. Yes, it does. Because I'm not having to do, deal with the stock stuff. I'm not having to do this bidding, which is different than the other game we played. Mm-hmm. Golf, Mobile, and Ohio from Rio Grande Games, designed by John Borer, B-O-H-R-E-R, artist by Todd Sanders. And this is a re-implementation from German Rails, where it is a stock game with a track requirement to connect cities. So while you're connecting cities and ride the rails, you're also doing it in Gulf Mobile and Ohio, but you're doing that to help you score victory points. Both of them have a little bit different feel to them because one is a bidding auction type game. In fact, that game is really closer to Irish Gage uh, than what it is Ride the Rails. Mm -hmm. But in uh, Ride the Rails, you still kind of have the concept of stocks, but instead of bidding on them, basically at the beginning of your turn, you're going to take one of the colors of the trains that are available to you. There are six different colors. And taking a locomotive and putting it on your card means you have a share of stock in that particular railroad, Mm -hmm. which is great because as you invest in railroads and the railroads are created across the map and as passengers move across those railroads, if they move across a color railroad that you're invested in, you're going to get some points. So I think with Ride the Rails, Marty, it is a game where you're looking at, do I want to invest heavily in this company? And you have to think on that. Are the rail Is the rail network set up to where I could get more money? Because the more I invest in it, the more money I'm going to get the more payout I'm going to get. So that's something you have to consider with Ride the Rails. And that was something that when we were playing this, we didn't catch on to that concept at the beginning, did we? No, we didn't. And that's something we're going to compare the two games uh, in a second, but we're just going to focus on this one first. After reading the rules, and Bert also read the rules with me, it's one of those things that you read the rules and you kind of understand them, but you don't really know why you're doing what you're doing. (laughs) So the sequence of play is exact same every turn. Like I said, first time you're going to take a share. This game is played over six rounds. And as it starts, there's only two colors of locomotives available to you. There's a term locomotive, which is picking up a little train token. And there's the concept of railroad, which is a line of locomotives across the map that creates a a railroad. In the first round, you only have two colors available to you. So you're going to invest in one of those two colors. Then you're going to have placement rules where you can build a railroad track. And depending on the number of players is how many rail locomotives you're going to pick up. We played three players. So you'll pick up eight locomotives of a railroad that you're invested in. First round's easy because you're going to pick either like red or blue, and then you're going to pick up eight locomotives of red or blue. And you have to start on the eastern side of the country, and you start building a track. And I mean, you can make those little sound effects as, as you go across the board there. And you can continue to build tracks and you can add to existing track as long as it matches to at least uh, one of the existing same color locomotives. So you're going to have a track that goes across the board of a varying length that different people can add to. 
And then after that, you're going to take a passenger from one city and move them to another. So at the very beginning of the game, each of the cities on the board have a little passenger token. So at the end of your turn, you're going to little trace, take a little token and move it, move it around a track to a city. And the, you can move it through different links. A link is uh, between two cities. More links you move through, the more points that you can get, especially if you've invested in those tracks. So you're trying to invest in the right track, build the correct track, and if possible, when you move the passenger, make sure it moves across your track because anybody that's invested in that color will also get points. And then that's played basically over six rounds with each round adding additional colors that you can now take stock in. So this is where the strategy kicks in on this game. You've got to think, how do I maximize my income based on how I've invested, but also try to help eliminate the opportunity for your opponents to pick up a passenger and take them on theirs. Maybe you think it's best to take one passenger all the way to the end of a line and ride the rails. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe taking less payout to keep your opponents from taking money is very important. And I think that was one of the things I missed when I was playing this game. I should have probably dropped off because once the passenger moves, he doesn't go to that city and stays there. He's off the board. Uh, It's how do I maximize my opportunity and minimize y'all? And I think when I was playing, I was not doing well at that. I was taking too many links thinking, oh, well, if I do all this, I'm going to get four more points. Well, maybe I shouldn't have because I gave, there was no net value, no net net gain because Marty was also gaining four. So there's, right. there's the heavy strategy. Yeah, and that's one of those things too. Remember, each time on the beginning of your turn, you get to pick up a train and invest in that stock, essentially. So let's say I start investing in blue and I tried this strategy. I invested like, I had like three shares of blue. So anytime you move um, across a link, you would get one buck per share that you had. So Tony, if you move a passenger across a blue link and I have invested three locomotives and you only invested one, I'm getting three bucks. You're getting one buck. Mm -hmm. And that's the strategy you're talking about. It's like, well, I don't want to move across the blue because I'm going to be helping Marty. Then I help myself. Meanwhile, I want to move across blue because that's the railroad that I've invested in. But what's interesting, Tony, and this is where I kind of messed up, is you can only pick up locomotives and place them on the board if you've invested in that color's railroad Mm -hmm. so like i never invested in black towards the end of the game you and bert were building black tracks and being able to move passengers across it and it's like well i could but i would gain nothing for it because i never picked up a black locomotive as a stock share and i guess you know without someone sitting down playing this for the first time they're probably sitting there going what what are y'all talking about when we learned the rules and sat down and played it we were like what Because like I said, we read the rules. We understood, I'm going to pick up a stock. I'm going to pick up these trains. I'm going to put down these trains. I'm going to move. There's a little tracker on the board that says, how many different color links did you move through? How many cities did you move through? Because you get a dollar for every city that you move through. And then everybody has to calculate how much money that they made. I I said it was victory points earlier that you win by. It's actually, it is money Money. per se, quote, money that you're getting. And so you you read through all the rules and go, oh, I understand what's going on, but I don't know why to do things. And that's where I think this is where we found out, oh, wow. It's not the the first play of the game is like, oh, I get it. I understand what we're trying to do now. 
play again and you know right from the onset what you want to do. Do in diverse your investments and invest in a lot of locomotives. Do you try to focus on one line and build this massive line that you can continually move passengers around each turn? There's multiple strategies to win. And as the game goes on, the trains get to can be moved across the country because uh, there are certain cities that only certain colored trains can start from. Uh, the purple and the black trains have to start on the back on the west coast and they work back towards the east there's benefits if you ever make the first transcontinental railroad you get some money so there's like races to try to connect two lines together so there's these all other little underlying things that are going on during the course of the game too if you're invested in two colors you don't necessarily have to pick up all one color of train that's absolutely true and that's one of those things that we realize later on it's like well i may just want two of this color and three of this color so I think my, my conclusion on this is more plays will help me to find a better strategy and learn how to understand what the other players are doing on the board. And I'll hold my conclusion about the comparison of the two games later. Well, let's talk about the game that you sat down and taught then. How does and what it's it about? Golf Mobile in Ohio. From here on out, known as GMNO. Golf Mobile and Ohio is too much for me to try to keep saying. So GM and O. GM and O. Okay, got it. This game, you got four actions you got to do. On your turn, uh, you get to pick one of them. One of the first ones is charter a railroad. And that means that you are taking a railroad from its infancy, from the cradle, and you are putting it out on the map to begin. That is the most complicated of all the actions because there is some auction going on. There are certain rules that have to kick in. For instance, one of the big rules is that when you want to charter a railroad that is in the auction pool, you must be able to connect two cities. So why is that important? Because when you are bidding, the money you use to charter that railroad is then used to buy the track. So you can sit there and you can start the bidding at zero. That's great. But if you don't have enough money in your when the auction closes to charter that railroad, Nothing happens. You basically pass up your turn. Then you have the ability that once a railroad is chartered, you can gain a auction for the common share. There's only two shares of stock in these railroads. And after the charter, you have the common share. And that common share is, oh, I want benefit to this railroad. And it devalues the charter share. Now, on the common share, you do not have to build out the railroad. So you can win and not build any railroad. But if you do win and you have the ability to build out the railroad, then you can take that action and you really should. Okay. Cause that's how you get victory points is when you complete out railroads. And then if you own a charter, then you can expand the line. If you own the railroad network that you've chartered out, you can then expand it with cubes representing the railroad and you can say, okay, I'm going to expand and I'm just going to pay for this. So you can just give, give some money out there and say, all right, we're going to extend this railroad to the next city. And this, Marty, was the part where when I was trying to explain to you after I went, oh, and the last action is passed. Then I said, okay, guys, now let's talk about how you're getting victory points by connecting Ooh. railroads. Oh, boy, this was the part. And this, this is a tiny another one of those things, too. What I read, I comprehended, but I didn't understand until you actually played the game. Mm -hmm. On BGG, it's written simply. 
Each time you build railroad lines, you score victory points. One victory point for founding of a new line. We, we, we knew that. We got that one down. We knew that one. Got that one. That was easy. That yep. was easy. Unless it's one of a certain railroad. <laughs> then you get an additional one, but that, we'll pass that one. One victory point for placing a cube in a city. Unless it's Atlanta, then you get an additional victory point. And one, <laughs> and one victory point for the first time that that line connects to the line of each other color on the board, which only occurs in cities. That's the one where we're like, I understand what you're saying, but I don't understand the concept until we do it. And people are going, what do you mean by all these cubes? Or up on the top of the board are the color of the railroad cubes. And this is where you're saying, okay, well, this railroad is going to begin with the green line or the black line because it has the most available tracks to build. This was an important concept. So there are six color cubes and there's different numbers of each one. At the very beginning of the game, you put out all the green, which there's more green than there are the other five. And then there's, and then it goes down from there to the fewest number of cubes, which is what color, Tony? Uh, purple. Purple has the fewest number of cubes. The kicker is, is when you charter, the color cube that you pick is the one that has most cubes available on the board. And Tony, this was where the strategy started coming in. Let's say, for example, you chartered green and you were able to put it out there on the board. So then Bert charters yellow and he happens to match a yellow in a green city. Hey, guess what? He just got an extra point. Well, guess what? If now yellow has, I mean, green has the most cubes available, me chartering with the green, I don't get any of the bonus points mm -mm. because you two guys have already matched two different colors. I want to try to get access to the blue cubes and be the first to place a new color on the board so I can try to get those into different cities in order to get those extra points. And so that's where, Tony, where you might think like, well, you know what? Instead of chartering, I'm just going to take a common stock and maybe build out an existing line in hopes that those number of cues by the next time it gets to me, a color that hadn't been taken yet will be the most available. And then I can charter align myself and get the bonus points. That's the rub. That's that, that give and take of this game that I think, well, future plays, we will continue to understand. Again, it's one of those things after, after our first play, I was like by the end and going, oh, I get it. I get, and you didn't mention this, Tony, when you take a common stock, there's actually a token on the board that measures when you take a common stock. Mm. And after it's taken twice, that's how you get money back into your uh, pool in order to be bid for and have future bids. So you'll look at all the charter stock and common stock you have. And when, after two common stocks are, are built, the token will say, okay, everybody get your dividend money. Mm -hmm. So everybody takes all the money and that's how you refill your coffers to be able to build in the future. And Tony, that's where I found some strategy too. If I was short on money, sometimes I would just go ahead and place, try to do a bid on a common stock but not build trains because I didn't want to build money for the trains. Instead, I wanted to move that little ticker over one more spot so I can get money back. So the next time there's a bid, I can go ahead and put some more trains out because there's like three bucks per train to put them out. And you're also sitting there thinking, okay, I don't want to take those cues because I don't want to give someone some victory points at the end uh, on the next turn because they have more money. So I got to watch how much money they have. But I know I'm getting ready to give them common stock so that they get dividends. So how do I run up the bid? But if I do that, then how quickly am I going to bring the end of the game? Because the game ends when all colors are on the board, not all the cubes, but all the colors. Or everybody decides, 
pass, 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 pass. It depends on how many people are playing. If everybody consecutively pass, guess what? Game's over regardless. Once that final color cube shows on the board, that's what will trigger the end of the game. Again, it's one of those things that we read the rules and was like, I understand the concept, but until you play that first game, it's the little aha moment happens. Same thing with Ride the Rails. It was the aha moment after playing. It's like, oh, now I understand, you know, like the placement rules. Because when I was reading the placement rules for Ride the Rails and it said the first locomotive of any railroad must be placed in one of the cities that displays its color, except for the first locomotive placed, each place locomotive must connect adjacently to at least one of that railroad's existing locomotives. And a railroad may only have one locomotive in a hex. But each hex holds a maximum of two locomotives, except Chicago, because there's no limit to Chicago. And I'm like, I read, I comprehend what it's saying, but until you actually sit down and play it and you go, oh, now I understand what it means by my placement rules, the limitations that I have, and you see how that all works together. Same thing with GMNO. It's not until I actually saw, okay, once I put the cubes out, this is how the victory points are calculated. Now I see how it works. And in GM and O, this is the thing that I understood the most. Whoever has the most points wins. Yep. And same thing with ride the rails. The points or is actually dollar amounts will be the one that wins. The thing is, Tony, I think with ride the rails, I understand the concept of trying to get rules onto two sheets. I do honestly wish it would have had a few more examples. Um, because he, even Bert read the rules. He said, I read these rules like twice. I don't understand until we actually sit down and play it. I wish there'd been a couple more examples on the, on the page to be able to see how this works. I think the rules in GM and O were maybe a little bit better. I think there were a few more examples there, but there were still some wording in the rules that was like head scratching until you meticulously walked through how placing a cube or picking up a cube worked. I will say this for GM and O. That whole concept of chartering and having enough money to bid to build a railroad to make sure you connect is very important. Mm -hmm. And that was very quick. That was an easy, oh yeah, I understand why that's something I've got to do. You know, it was kind of like picking which color you want at the start of the round and ride the rails. If I take this color because of where I am in turn order, you guys could eat all that up and I then won't be able to build anything. Because turn order changes each round. Who's ever in last place gets to go first, but the person who's last in the round makes the first pick of the stock locomotive. So those are two things that kind of slap you in the face saying, if you don't get these at the very beginning, you're done. Like if you don't invest in one particular rail that ends up being popular, well, as passengers are moving back and forth across the links and ride the rails, you're not getting any money. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same thing over here with, uh, with GM and O is like, well, you got to kind of bide your time until you can get that particular color cube that you want in order to maximize points by going into certain cities and getting the bonus points and chartering the railroads that have the extra bonus points. There's a little extra bonus points here and there that you always try to grab and keep other people from grabbing. GMO, you, you got to make sure that you're building out to certain cities to bring other stocks in that will allow, you know, for the common stocks to come up later to help you generate your income and you, and you're actually having to work with the other players unknowingly, maybe, but you got to do that if you want to keep the game going, right? Cause other than that, yep. the stocks aren't going to come in. So train games, choo choo. Love my train games. Am I loving these two? I know I'll be loving it on the table with you and the regular players, but 
I do not see this hitting the tables with Donna. Ride the rails. I thought this would be a good one for her, but after playing, I'm like, nope, mm-mm, not going to happen. You know, easy pickup and delivery. There's a lot more going on there. GMO, no way. There's mm-hmm. no way I'm going to get these on the table. I will play these anytime. Enjoy them. I'd like to get them to the table more so that I can keep digging into this strategy a little bit, but there's so much competition on train games for me. I honestly feel to me, Tony, that GMO and Irish Gage are more similar to each other than GMO and Ride the Rails mm-hmm. because in Irish Gage, you remember you had stocks, you had the whole bidding round where you tried to bid and you tried to build out your tracks. And then you pulled the cubes out of the bag that would say when it's when it's the, when you say we're going to pay dividends and whatever color cubes you pulled out is which cities would trigger on getting points as long as you were invested in that. Kind of the same thing here uh, with your bidding on on charters and your bidding on the, the common stocks so that, you know, when dividends pay out, you can take advantage of them. There are three different enough games to where I would probably keep all three on the shelves. And it depends on which one I want to play. GMO is a little more thinky. Irish Gage has a nice little uh, solid uh, bidding mechanic, but you do have the pulling out of the bag. So it's randomized what dividends are going to pay. It's like, man, I really hope pink pays this time. And you put out three cubes and they're not pink. GMO is more deterministic. Uh, there's less randomness. Actually, there's no randomness really between Ride the Rails and GMO, is there? No, there is not. Yeah, there's no random. Where Irish Gage does have randomness. So I love this, this Iron Rail series from Capstone. Irish Gage, Ride the Rails, two totally different types of games, just like I think Undaunted Normandy and North Africa are different games. And then GMNO is kind of like a mix, somewhat a little bit of, of between the two, but even probably a little more thinky than those other two are, in my opinion. All right. So that is our long dissertation on two new train games that Marty thought he'd make me play. Okay. He knew I would play very easily because it had trains in them. That is Ride the Rails from Capstone Game and Golf Mobile in Ohio from Rio Grande Game. If you're looking for two one-hour train games, it. Well, you're stuck with me. Yep, it does look that way. Uh, I appreciate all of those people who sent in the audition tapes, but uh, I think we're just going to stick with the, the two of us for right now and see if we can possibly make it another 200 episodes. Yep, stick with the date that brung you. That's it. <laughs> Dance with the one that brung you. Mm-hmm. 200 episodes. Here we go. Another 200 coming for that. So we can get to the 700. My gosh, your math is weird. It's kind of like my Gen Con math from episode 199 where we just kept adding things up. It just, it just, <laughs> I think that works. But, uh, you know, it would not be on a rolling dice and taking name episode if we did not just quickly mention a Switch game. Oh boy. Clubhouse Games. Did you buy it? I have not yet. I was hoping for a quick overview from you because of the 2,000 games on it. Uh, okay, what is it? 51? 51. 51. I only saw maybe two or three that I would play. Okay. Well, did you play the original Clubhouse Games on, was it the DS or 3DS? I think so. Okay, well, it's, it's a lot of the same games. It's a lot of your typical board games. I will say the bowling in Clubhouse Games is better than the Wii version. Is it? Uh, but the reason why is because the Joy-Con's more sensitive, has better accelerometers. So Brett was able to put a hook on a ball. It was amazing. 
That kid would hook right into a pocket every time. I was like, what are you doing? Oh, I don't know. It's just my natural throw. And I said, well, we need to take you, take you to the bowling alley, dude. Are you saying it is something I should go ahead and put some money down on? I mean, it's only digital, right? No, it's there's a card. There's too. a card. You too. can buy a physical. Yep. You can buy. In fact, it's at Walmart for a little bit cheaper, like 32 bucks. It does have like a little bit of a pass and play. There are about 10 to 15 uh, games that you can play with Donna and only need one copy of the game. Mm-hmm. But the darts are pretty good. Actually, the darts is actually pretty accurate too. Some other, I, I don't know. You, like I said, you just go look at the fifty-one games. A lot of the the basic board games are your basic board games. They do have some like curling, which is not really curling. I don't know why they called it curling because it's it's nothing close to curling. Uh, they have like air hockey. Air hockey is kind of fun. <laughs> I'll give it that. But if you're playing against the AI, I guess you got to decide whether you want to play against the AI or not because that's probably what you're going to be doing. Yeah, and that's why I was looking at like chess. You know, a good implementation of a chess game. I know checkers and backgammon. Chess has got to be on it. Chess, I mean, checkers and backgammon for sure is on it. Yahtzee's on it. Connect Four. Go. Oh, that's it. Uh, that was one of the reasons why I would look at it is to. Mahjong. Yep, 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 yep. Not the real Mahjong. Is it, I'd be interested to see if it's the real Mahjong versus the, what we call Mahjong, where it's just flipping over tiles. Uh, Texas Hold'em. Version is good. Okay. They did a good version of Texas Hold'em. I enjoyed it. We got that. hearts. Blackjack. Do we have hearts? No. Blackjack and Texas Hold'em, I think, are the only two main cards. Oh, there's some other card games like War. Uh, they had a version of Uno. They just don't, they just call it something different. Could they ever expand? Let's say they released a 52. Dude, there's 51 games in here for like 30 something dollars. What, what do you want? Hearts, spades. Well, hearts and spades are not in there. Well, they should be. Well, they're not. I don't think there's any uh, Trump-taking games whatsoever. Trump. Trick-taking game. Mm, trick-taking? Okay. Using Trump. Using a Trump suit. Okay. Well, I was just kind of curious what your thoughts are on it before I go out and spend $32. Well, you know, I'm holding off. Adam has it. I can play his stuff every once in a while. I'm 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 back in playing Puzzle Quest and getting frustrated because the game cheats. I forgot how much that game cheats. It does cheat. It's a, it's a cheating game. I, I swear, dude, it'll match... Two things, and then you know when you match and the, and the uh, crystals disappear and the stuff drops, it's like drop match, drop match, drop match, extra turn, drop match, drop match. Like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I was like, yeah, you're cheating. You're cheating bad. And it's an AI, so you know that somewhere there's an AI out to get you. Yep, a hundred percent. And I, I hate vampire bats. I hate those things because they steal your health and heal themselves. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so I'm frustratingly playing through that again and waiting till Paper Mario comes out. Yeah, you got me kind of interested in that. And there was something else that you were telling me was coming out and I can't remember. Oh, Borderlands. I haven't picked that one up yet. So, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm in, I'm in Hyrule's castle. Hyrule. Is that right? Hyrule. 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 I'm getting ready. It's time to climb the, the castle, go in there and defeat the big bad boss, all the memories are done. I'm done collecting seeds. Pretty well got all the stuff I need to go out there and defeat the final boss. And no, I don't know how long I've played, but I will report back in the next in episode. Let's let's go to 202. Well, in 202, okay. I'll tell you. G- give you time to get finished. Give me time to get finished and I'll report my final play in Breath of the Wild. I was hoping to make it last till Breath of the Wild 2 came out. I did pick up Golf Story, which I'm interested in playing, which is the golf mm-hmm. RPG. Uh, I may start playing that soon, too. So, 
Yeah, love that little system, man. It's got some good stuff. And I keep getting suckered into the stupid eShop sales. And like you you say you want Borderlands, I really want to buy the Bioshock. I'm hoping eventually those will go on sale. I'm not I don't want to spend 40 bucks right now, but uh, I'm hoping maybe by Christmas, maybe a couple of those going sell because XCOM interests me too. And so does Borderlands. Mm-hmm. Well, I picked up uh, Diablo 3. I've yet to even crank up. Wow. Yeah, that's fun. That's a fun little time. Not a time waster. That's just a fun, solid game. So maybe if you haven't picked up a Switch yet, I know they're as rare as hen's teeth. <laughs> they are. I wonder if uh, Dan could have learned that expression. Uh, where's hen's teeth? Rare. Possibly. Poss- at, least, at least he understood the connotation of bless your heart. But it really does depend on how you say bless your heart mm-hmm. on how it's meant. And that got canceled, by the way. That show got canceled. All the TV shows, bless your heart, was one of them that got canceled. So mm-hmm. I'm w- eagerly awaiting that. I'm just, you know, kind of s- sort of just seeing what does fall hold for me in TV. Just got to keep rolling dice. <laughs> and taking names. Thank you so much for all those that have stuck with us through 200 episodes. We're just going to see how long we can go. And if you want to keep up with us, you can do so at Dyson Names on Twitter and on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook and our BGG Guild 1589. Thanks for all those who send in the auditions. And thank you so much to our audience. Tony, I cut her off, but I might as well go ahead and listen to the rest of Vanessa's audition tape just to see, you know, if there's anything else there. In conclusion, that is why I think I would be a great co-host. And if I am chosen, since we are in the same household, whenever we do record, I could bring a dessert, the chocolate trifle, homemade ice cream, whatever dessert we wanted. There would be dessert every podcast. Ding, 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 ding. We got a winner. The Broken Token, if you thought you could put a game away neatly, well, go out to The Broken Token and look at some of those inserts, and they will show you you're mistaken. That's right. (laughs) You don't have a clue on how to put a game back in the box. Matter of fact, I'm sitting here looking at their Wingspan insert. Oh, Marty, it's got a special little birdhouse token roller because Wingspan comes with a birdhouse dice roller. Well, this one's wood always to sort things. It handles the expansion. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. The components are so awesome for Wingspan. And don't forget, they have other types of dice rollers and then they have these new types of tokens like for, you heard Vanessa talk about Eldritchara on 199. If she only saw these broken token clue tokens, Marty, she would be all over this. Oh, and look, there's Sagrada. A special way to deal with Sagrada in the expansion and the dice roller for Sagrada. Oh, it's gorgeous. That's over at thebrokentoken.com.